Hey, John, welcome back to another working session, man. Looking forward to uh, catching up on all things Editor Ninja. But before we get into that, how are things with you personally? How are things out there in the Mountain West? Good, James. Yeah, man, things are good. Good to see you. Looking forward to hearing about Castaway as well. Uh, things are good out here in Denver. It's actually a cooler overcast day today. And uh, yeah, man, things are things are busy just with life and work and, and all of that. I mean, two companies and leaving tonight for a week-long trip up to Canada. I'm going to a conference, a SAS Academy conference uh, next week, going to Whistler for a few days. So a bit of travel. And then right when I get back, we're moving. So probably by the time this this, uh, episode airs, my wife and I will have moved up to our house in the mountains for the rest of the summer because we just extended a job offer to a, a summer nanny. So like 10, 12 weeks this morning. So that's exciting. So we're actually gonna realize that dream, that goal of trying out mountain life for the summer. So but yeah, man, that's, that's that's what's going on the life front. Just a ton of stuff and business is, is doing what it does. So looking forward to diving in to, uh, to the updates. How about you? How are things you're in? How's Ohio? Ohio's good, man. And uh, I was just, we were talking a little bit offline about this interesting observation I've made where in the winter, it feels like I have a lot of energy and a lot of momentum behind my professional life because uh, there's not much to do here in Ohio. It's, it's snowy, it's cold, it's, you don't get out as much. Um, but here in the summer, it, it's almost like a role reversal where spending a lot more time with the family, spending a lot more time outdoors, going to the pool, going on hikes and stuff like that. Health habits are feeling really strong right now. So on the personal front, there's a lot of energy and a lot of momentum there. But maybe uh, at work or with the side hustles, things feel a little bit more stagnant because you're just away from the keyboard more. And there's nothing wrong with that per se. Um, but it is a, a perception of kind of being behind the eight ball in some ways. So it's that that constant friction between like wanting to be an excellent father, husband, um, but also be an excellent, you know, team member, professional leader, business owner kind of thing. And sometimes you just can't have both at the same time, right? Or or if you do, then you got to get creative about how you make that happen. Yep. Yep. Someone, I think it was Randy Zuckerberg told me one time, she was like, basically like, you know, there are really like five things, you know, five kind of core parts of life, right? There's health, there's family, there's faith, there's business, there's finances, like, you know, all these things, professional life, I guess, finances. She's basically like, pick, pick three that you can focus on any one time. And I like the idea of like building up a bank, like a kind of a balance in, you know, the others, or I guess relationships is in the right family, I guess is in there. So, uh, you know, kind of you build up a bank in one, right? So right now you're building up your bank in your family, but the, you know, the, the, and your health, but like the, the other stuff, right? Work, et cetera. Like maybe isn't getting as much. It's coasting a little bit because it's summer and people are on vacation and all that, as you were saying offline. But then it made investments into the family. So then when life kicks, but when work kicks back up after Labor Day, right? Then you're not going to make as many deposits there and you can kind of draw from that balance, right? So you never want to draw something down to zero, but you kind of have a balance to draw down a little bit um, while you build up the other one that has, you know, that has been drawn down. So yeah, man, I, yeah. I hear you on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's cool to hear that you're going to spend the summer up at the cabin. How how off grid is that place? Is it truly remote, or is it more like one of those? Uh, I don't know how to characterize it. Like kind of suburban camping kind of thing. It's like glamping, I think, is what they call it—the glamorous camping or whatever. Where it's not totally off grid, <laughs> but um, it feels rustic and it's a nice getaway from city life, right? So it is. Um, it's about 20 minutes south of Breckenridge, on the south side of of the pass there called Hoosier Pass. And it's not off grid. Uh, it is on a well. It is on you know septic system, like that sort of stuff. It's an acre and a half of land that's heavily wooded. But I mean, we call it the cabin. It's a house. It's a three bed, two bath, like nineteen hundred square foot house. It's it's nice. We just got the floors redone. So the the one like kind of non you know comfortable part of it is it's satellite internet. So we can't really do Zoom calls and such from there. So we're actually, my wife and I are both getting co-working spaces over in Breckenridge. So we'll be driving over the pass every day 
I mean, I'll be working from from one co-working space. You'll likely be working from another one just because we have kind of different needs. But it's it's exciting, man. I mean, we're, we're up there pretty much every weekend. I mean, really like Thursday night through Sunday, like afternoon now anyway. So we're kind of just flipping our life and, uh, you know, spending most of the time up there and coming back to Denver, you know, a couple weekends a month versus right now we're in Denver and we're up there most weekends. So just kind of a short-term test, you know, see how we like it. You know, we have no plans to leave the Denver area like permanently, but spending a summer there sounds great, especially because we can escape the freaking 100, 105 degree heat here in Denver, which we get in the summer. So up there, it'll be 70 degrees every day. So yeah, but yeah, it's it's a good spot. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's great to see something like that. It sounds like it's been a goal or a dream for a while come to fruition, uh, partially through the work that you've been doing with uh, Editor Ninja in addition to Credo. So that's awesome yeah. to hear. I think, uh, I think I was the one that brought the icebreaker today and something that I guess is top of mind for me right now, just kind of summarize this as bootstrapped marketing ideas. I think when you're starting a new business, especially a service business like this that has some cash flow considerations and stuff like that, you want to attract more attention. You want to drive leads, but maybe finances are a little tighter than a more established business. And so you got to find ways to uh, make every marketing dollar count. It's not like you can afford to throw thousands of dollars at something experimental, you want to have a reasonable level of confidence that it's actually going to work. So I feel like we're probably uh, not alone in feeling that kind of constraint where it's like, yeah, I need to juice sales somehow, but I don't want to flush money down the drain because you know every dollar counts, especially this early in the journey. So I thought maybe we could brainstorm, uh, not necessarily about specific tactics, although I'm happy to get into that, but like, how should people be thinking about marketing and lead generation uh, in the early days as they're trying to get a new business off the ground, potentially with a limited budget or limited resources, right? So why don't you tell us, what have you been thinking about since you brought <laughs> the topic? Seems it's been top of mind for you. I've got, I've got thoughts, of course, but let's hear what you've got to say. Yeah, I think at a conceptual level, you know, there's great uh, marketing tactics like content and SEO that can be an outstanding foundation for sustainable level of attention over time. But I think if you're in this particular scenario that I just described, where it's like, I need sales in the door now, and then I can invest in content as a long-term play. But for right now, I need to like put a dollar in and maybe within 30 or 60 days, like get more than a dollar back from that in some way. So I think you kind of have to write off some of those things that take a little bit more to actually show results. And I think where I would start, at least where I'm trying to start with Castaway is figuring out like, where does my target market hang out? And not just uh, the hobbyists or the users, but like the decision makers. Where are the people who actually run podcasts and make decisions about how to uh, promote them and how to grow that show and how to fund them and those kinds of things? Where are they at online? And then I start to brainstorm like, what are some creative ways that I can get myself and or Castaway in front of those people? And what are the messages that they want to hear that seem compelling or interesting or make them want to uh, engage with our brand? So, you know, I think like a lot of people will default to paying for advertisement is the easy button. I've talked about that on this show. Uh, I'm not saying I won't do it, but I do think there are ways that don't require really any kind of funding up front. You can just get in there with like some sweat equity, some time and effort and still see a lot of results. So like I'm thinking about things like workshops and webinars, which I know you've done a, f- done a few of, uh, even just kind of cold outreach and like, outbound sales, you know, discovery calls, talking to people one-on-one, those can result in uh, new clients and then trying to drum up things like referrals. So um, I don't know, I'm just thinking like, broadly, this could be categorized as like hustle, but what are the things that you can do to first figure out where your target market's hanging out? Second, uh, figure out what kind of messages or problems uh, they're having that you can put in front of them. And and third, how to actually get those messages or get your solution in front of them um, in a way that respects their attention, but also tries to achieve the ultimate goal of converting them from a prospect into a customer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think all that 
all that makes sense. I would actually start at a slightly higher level, which is, you know, as, as marketers, as entrepreneurs, we think about scale and more leads and like that sort of stuff. But I, I kind of want to adjust, I've adjusted my mindset because like, you know, credo, we're getting hundreds of leads a month, right? Like, and, and it's built up over time. It's built up over years versus like, I think about it with editor ninja and I'm like, oh man, I wish I had more demos, but I'm like, I have eight to 10 a month right now. That's about what I can handle. And we can about onboard three new customers a month. That's about my limit right now. So like if I had a hundred leads, if I had hundred leads, I'd figure it out. Right. And we'd, we'd make it work. And honestly, like Credo would, would the team would run Credo and I would work on editor ninja. But I, yeah, I, I think first of all, like, just kind of uh, keeping in mind that like, we're not looking for a huge volume at this stage. Right. Like, I mean, just like five demos a month could be, could be game changing, right. Two new customers a month could be game changing as long as you're not having churn. Right. So I think that's kind of where I start just with that like mindset. It keeps me from being like anxious and wanting things to go faster than really what they should at this point for me, just kind of the reality of my life. But at the same time, like I'm also not, not investing in marketing, right? I am investing in marketing and I, and I actually think it's, I, I agree. There's like the, you know, there's a the short term versus the medium term versus the long term, um, you know, payoffs of, uh, of different campaigns and different channels, just like there's, you know, bottom, middle and top funnel of content. Um, kind of, there are these different levels. And for me, my approach, at least with Editor Ninja is I am investing in SEO. So I think we should, I think entrepreneurs early stages should invest in really what they know. Right. And, uh, and, and spend what you have, um, you know, time, money, expertise are kind of the three things that you can, that you can spend. And so for me, like I have an expertise in SEO and in inbound marketing. So I'm going to invest in that because I can put the time into it. I make the time to, to put into that, to create content, et cetera. And our, you know, I was, I was looking at a, uh, a friend's analytics recently and was like, wow, Editor Ninja already has three X their traffic and they've been around for like four years. <laughs> so, and I've really been working on increasing traffic to Editor Ninja for like four months. So like, Okay, I know what I'm doing, right? That to me, that's an easy thing, and that just kind of grows over time, right? That's my base, but I'm also putting a little bit into advertising just to try to nail our, our messaging, etc., which helps out with the SEO stuff. But then, like the quicker term stuff, as you said, um, and and I actually agree that it would be a good channel for you, like early on, is podcasts and webinars and you know free like free free uh, trainings for different communities and that sort of stuff. So you know potentially trying to get onto shows that have your audience, right? I mean, I think about like. Travis Chapel from Guestio, right? Which is literally all about finding guests for your podcast. Like that's what his SaaS does. So like you should be connecting with people like that, you know, potentially getting on their shows or sponsoring it, right? Like, you know, take a lark and take a couple grand and, you know, sponsor a couple of episodes, right? Because like people listening to that, to that show are people that are doing podcasts and are looking to grow their podcast because they're looking to get more guests, right? So like that's your ideal audience right there. So I, I think that would, you know, that, that's kind of the, the shorter term, probably short to medium term. While, you know, for me, it's it's you invest in the long, you have to invest in longer term stuff now to see the payoff in the medium to long term, but don't just do that at the expense of not doing the shorter term stuff, which is going to get you quicker traction, get you customers in the door. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to experience churn, but you're going to nail your offer more so that when those medium to long term things are kicking in, then you're you're off to the races, right? That's when you hit that kind of inflection growth point is how I think about it. I think I agree with pretty much all that. Like it, the, when you get those first eight demos a month, I think is the number you threw out. That's that's I think what I'm trying to solve for is like I, you might have to. 
hustle first to get those. And then once you have those operating at a margin that's 20, 30% or in the software world, a lot higher, you reinvest those profits into the long-term stuff, the content. But I think in the earliest days, when you're trying to find those first 10 customers or whatever the right number is for your business, um, I do think there's probably better potential to do kind of like hand-to-hand combat in some ways, right? Like to go find those people face-to-face in some way and uh, convert them into customers. And then those first five customers, the profit from those fund those long-term investments. Although I'm curious with like Editor Ninja, you know, you said you worked on the content side and, and driving traffic to the site organically for a few months now. I'm kind of under the impression that the sandbox is typically on the like six to nine month time horizon for a, a brand new domain, a brand new site. Uh, did you find some magical way to accelerate that? Or is that kind of what uh, you're characterizing, I guess, when you say a few months, it's like half a year or so? No, the site's been live for two years. So I escaped the sandbox pretty quick. <laughs> I escaped the sandbox and wasn't really working on it. Um, it. You know, my my approach to working on these sorts of projects is like, I'll launch a site, see what it does. And I mean, the whole reason why I really started working on Editor Ninja is, I mean, A, I was just needed something to, you know, energize me with work. But also Editor Ninja had done $1,000 in revenue in 2021 and I'd put like 15 hours total into it. So you know, it's uh the site was already live, um, so now it's just been a matter of cranking up content and all that, and you know, and and now it's marketing. It's actually marketing it, right? I've got the content, I've got content in place. I've got, you know, the technical stuff is pretty solid. So at this point, it's all about getting the word out there, building backlinks, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, we're not doing any sort of like we're not doing any sort of like backlink strategies or anything other than like podcasts and guest posts and being a, uh, an ex, you know, being a, a quoted expert and like that sort of, that sort of stuff. So, but once again, it's a medium to long-term play. So, but it's, it's working, you know, I'm getting more traffic and getting demos and all that, you know, stranger money, people I don't really know, I don't really know, you know, paying us money to do stuff. So it's working, right. But it's, it's just long, longer term, trust the process versus the podcast, the free trainings, the webinars, that sort of stuff. Um, getting on my first like physical stage, right? Um, kind of talking around the topic of hiring and outsourcing and all that next Monday. So in front of about, you know, I think it's under a hundred, but not too far under a hundred, like software entrepreneurs. So you know, it's a that's my strategy right now. But I'm also able to leverage my name and my connections to do that sort of stuff, right? So if you don't have a you don't have a no name, you don't have a lot of connections. It's going to be a lot harder, right? So you have to put in a lot more time, a lot more effort to establish yourself as that expert in order to then get these speaking engagements, you know, expert AMAs, that sort of stuff. So it's a cheat code when you've been doing it for a while. I will say as somebody who's organized a few of those events, like if you don't have a big name, but you come to me with a kick-ass deck or topic and you've clearly done some legwork to put together a compelling top or talk or presentation, then you can still make it. So it's it might be a longer shot and you're going to have to sell yourself. But like, you may have to build the deck up front. You may even have to record a private, like just do a screen share and give the pitch and send that to somebody. But if the material is good, you can still get yourself on that stage, on that podcast, in that webinar, whatever you want to do, uh, even though you don't have the notoriety. So I would say don't don't let that hold you back. But uh, okay, cool. So the workshops, the content, all that's working at Editor Ninja. What else is working at Editor Ninja these days since the last time we talked? What's going on on your side of the world? Well, I think last time I mentioned that I shipped out a new pricing page a while ago and killed our demo flow. So I moved that back, changed it back to what it was before and demos are back. So that's good. Had some more of those scheduled. That's exciting. You know, so I've been doing a few of those. Um, I think I said last time that I we churned out two customers. One is like semi-churned in that they still have like a balance of words in, in a, a word bundle, but also 
they have like kind of a deeper need. They need someone to actually like a subject matter expert to review the content that they're getting written. So I'm, I'm figuring out what that looks like and how to charge for that. So getting kind of close to, to testing that one out. But I'm also considering, yeah, some other like changes there. And I've launched some new like lead tests, like lead capture tests and such based off of some conversations with some friends kind of in, in similar businesses that I'm not prepared to talk about those publicly yet, but they're ongoing. So if you go click around the site, you might come across them and, you know, see, see what, what I'm testing out. But, you know, wins on, on the kind of operations side is the, the developer I've been working with. He's actually based in Paraguay. So I've been working with him through Codable.io, which is vetted. It's a vetted WordPress developer marketplace. Super good. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting place, James, because I could do the work. I could create this stuff. I could create the short codes, like pull in the advanced custom fields, like that sort of stuff. But I'm really like, I mean, A, I'm, I'm doing a lot more of that for Credo right now because the need is there because we got some big stuff coming up there. But like, I, I could do the work on Editor Ninja, but I'm really trying to lean into getting others to do things for me. So like, I could do this. It would take me three hours to do it, but I would, at this point, I would rather go pay him 250 bucks to do it, right? Than me spend those three hours just because time is is my most, is my scarcest commodity at this point. And then also on that same line, I got my managing editor, Sophia, is doing all of the returning of documents to customers, which is awesome. It basically buys back three to five hours a week from my work week by her doing that. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's amazing. And that's really like that process is really working. Um, there's some other like workflow stuff that I'm, I'm working on. That'll allow us to, um, that'll allow me to get out of like a signing of documents even, which will be great, but it's really nice to see, like be putting together a team early enough on that we can, I'm not the one doing all the things, which is really nice because I've got a lot of other stuff going on. So yeah, that's, um, that's really what's going on, man. And on the sales and marketing side, I'm really just doubling down on podcasts, guest posts, free webinars, free trainings, that sort of stuff to other people's audiences, not to like the editor ninja audience or whatever, but, and I am leveraging my audience with Credo. You know, we send out like an agency newsletter, uh, you know, marketing agency newsletter every Thursday. So when we don't have another, like, you know, something else to promote, we promote Editor Ninja. So, you know, I'm leveraging that. I've, I learned that lesson, but, you know, really doubling down on the education side and looking to build out those partnerships and such. And it seems to be working because, yeah, talking to a couple people recently, they were like, you're everywhere these days. They're like, I see you everywhere. I go to my favorite podcast and people are talking about you. You're a guest, like that sort of stuff. I'm like, all right, this is working. And I've got a bunch more queued up coming out in the next couple months as well. So, yeah, so it's it's starting to work, you know, as I kind of as I kind of push on it. But yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on, you know. And I guess I will say, like, this is the first one we've recorded in June. It hit our revenue goal of six thousand dollars in revenue in May. Um, so it was about a 20, 20, 20 couple percent growth month over month, which is great. Um, and we edited two hundred and nine thousand words in uh, in May. So that is basically ten x growth from. January revenue is six X growth, but editing volume is, uh, is 10 X growth. So yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's moving. I think June is going to be slower just because of, yeah, just the, the, you know, realities of the, the current economy and summertime and, you know, all that, all that stuff. But, um, you know, so I'm kind of like preparing for like, okay, it's, it's come up, you know, and it's going to go flat, basically the same agencies, same customers as Credo, like it's going to go flat for the summer and then it'll kick back up after Labor Day. So, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of investing ahead of the, ahead of that curve to really aim to capitalize on that once things kick off in, you know, mid-September. 
And headcount's up too, right? Like uh, headcount's got to be double what it was. I mean, we're talking about small numbers, but uh, to, to go along with the word count growth and the revenue growth, I think you've had three new editors at least, right? So probably gone from a team of one or two up to six. We're at five editors. So yeah, we're a team of six plus, you know, a couple other like like developer contractor and that sort of stuff. So yeah, but yeah, five editors. So yeah, we've 3X'd, over 3X headcount, 10X'd words edited and 6X'd. That right, four x revenue, I guess, from January. So, yeah, so it's it's moving, right? I mean, it's 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 doing what we what I want it to do. It's doing what we started this <laughs> podcast to talk about. So, you know, there's obviously the the bumps and all that. You know, it's never fun to have churn, but you know, if two people churn and you get two new ones on, so like end up even number of customers, but the new ones are better fit customers than the previous ones. So, you know, that's all. Um, it's it's all good, man. Sounds like a lot of the same stuff that I'm dealing with at Castaway. So let's let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What's going on? Let's see. So um, on the hiring front, I think last time I talked about having bringing on somebody in a part time capacity to do like kind of a marketing slash operations support kind of role. Um, basically, just just keep everything moving through the production funnel, so I don't have to give 100 percent of my energy to that, and I can shift more into the sales and marketing realm. That person is in house right now and in kind of what I would call like a probationary period. You know, one of those like, hey, let's work together for a month or two. If things are going well, we'll make it a long-term commitment. If things aren't going well, we're both in agreement that like, if it's not a good fit, we'll part ways or whatever. So it, th- that's good. And I think, you know, in the spirit of, it's been a while since I've read Built to Sell, but my current thinking is like, if I had to build this business so that it could run without me for an indeterminate amount of time, like multiple weeks, right? What would that look like? And I'm trying to, you know, get to that point as quickly as comfortable, because I think that's just a great place to be. And I think my core competency would be in filling the funnel and having those doing those marketing strategies and then also having those sales conversations. So that requires a lot of the operational stuff to be to your point. It might I could do it and it might take me three hours a week to do it. But would those three hours happen today or would they happen in a few days? And if I pay somebody else, those three hours will probably happen today or tomorrow. And that that client gets their results much faster. It's a better experience for them. They're more likely to refer somebody else or stick around. And so the upside of paying for someone else to handle that instead of being precious about it and keeping it to myself, it feels like the balance is in favor of, of hiring. So I think that's the first commonality I noticed between the two of us. And then the other one is really on the sales and marketing side. I called it learning more about what our right fit customers look like for Castaway. Um, I think that like I found that through hands-on practice with some of our active clients, like, listen, I love all of our clients. Um, always have with all the service businesses that I make. I rarely ever have a bad client. But there are certain aspects that make somebody maybe not a perfect fit for Castaway. And I've learned that if somebody has a brand new show or they're saying, hey, we're doing these these interviews right now with our customers or with our clients and we want to convert it into a podcast we're probably not a great fit for that because for a number of reasons, but um, not the least of which is like, they don't have any of the groundwork laid to uh, successfully produce promo assets. They don't have a style guide. They don't. They might not even have a show title. They might not have a logo. They don't have a headshot for the host or the guests. Like just a lot of those, you know, fundamental elements that it's required to produce what we do uh, just don't exist yet. And so, you know, those kind of folks maybe aren't a perfect fit or shows that experiment with a bunch of different formats. You know, you and I, we pretty much have pretty much have the same format every week. It's just two guys t- chatting about their business, you know, side by side, whatever, in a mastermind kind of format. Other shows, they experiment. They'd had somebody come in and they're like, hey, somebody did a workshop uh, for our customers and they did a screen share. Can we do something with that? Or, you know, this one is an episode where I was interviewed by somebody else. And so like, we want to put their show's branding on it and promote my appearance there. And I'm just like, 
eh, that kind of stuff, maybe not a great fit for Castaway, right? Like we need consistency because we stay profitable by having stuff that's repeatable time and time again. And um, switching up the format, switching up the number of speakers, switching up a screen share versus not a screen share, all that stuff adds complexity. And frankly, it adds time to the production. So that eats into profitability. And so, yeah, I think mostly, you know, operations is hiring, sales and marketing is learning what a right fit customer looks like so that not that we're going to kick anybody out, but as those folks turn over or churn, um, we know what to look for as we try to fill that slot with somebody new and just getting a little bit of, of clarity around what that person or what that show or what that organization looks like. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Have you, how do you handle kind of a, I think this is probably an interesting discussion for some bootstrappers is if someone's not a great fit, how do you handle that? So feedback, first and foremost, uh, communication, honest, open, transparent, you know, coming from a place with good intentions. So uh, we could hum right along and just say, yeah, I'll I'll take this on and we'll make it happen uh, because we want the revenue. But I don't think that's fair to the customer. I don't think that's fair to our team to ask them to deviate from the standard protocol. So um, generally, I give honest, open feedback and say, hey, um, we can do this. Because of the scope, it's going to take more time. It's going to be a little bit more money. Uh, it's going to look a little different, whatever the case may be. But I just say, you know, if you want to do this as a one-off, here are the terms of what that would be. And usually it's a little bit of money, a little bit of time on top of it. We'll have to go back and do some new templates. But um, in general, we're going to need all future episodes to be more like, you know, this other option that you've done with us in the past. And like I said, I would never kick anybody out the door. But if it's something where a show pivots to a different format and they're going to keep that format going forward, we can adjust. But if we're going to bounce around, I'm going to have to say like, look, we're only going to be able to do your interviews. And if that means we have to go to two episodes a month instead of four and reduce your subscription revenue because of that, that's okay. So I think it's really about like proactively communicating about this and, and giving feedback about not just that it won't work, but why it won't work. And here's why, because it takes us longer. And most people who are going to be customers of a service business like ours, they're business owners too. And they understand. And they have the same kind of frustrations and complexities inside of their business. And they know what's profitable and what's not. And if somebody went outside of scope in their business, they would either raise their prices or they would you know, part ways. And so I think they get it, but you have to give them the full context. You can't just say, no, we can't do that. And you also can't just say, yeah, we'll make that happen because that's not fair to your team and that doesn't protect your bottom line. Yep. No, I, I think that, that, totally, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the being open is absolutely the right, strategy there my take is usually like i just don't if it's someone that is if it's a prospect i and they're not a good fit right and for for edder ninja it's like if they're if their copy needs like a ton of work like more than you know what what we uh what like copy editing and proofreading gives uh can give them i just don't pitch them Right. Like if they, especially if they do a test document, I just send it back and I'm like, good luck. <laughs> I just don't pitch them. So like that, that's one, you know, you don't have to pitch everyone that comes in. Right. You know, I mean, we do like, we do the work for them. We, we do what we, what we need to do to clean it up. But, uh, you know, and they get back like a, a much better piece of content. But if it's just going to be, I mean, yeah, if it's just going to take a ton more work. Right. It's, it's just not worth it. Like with this, uh, with kind of a productized service especially if like they need more and they can't or won't pay more. Um, it's just not, it's just not worth it versus if they're not a great fit. I mean, yeah, I, I go as well to the, like, you know, to the uh, just transparency around it and just have a, just have a conversation and be like, Hey, is this, is this what you need? Right. Is this like actually fitting your need? It seems like you need this other thing. Um, and, and they're, you know, and they're very like grateful, grateful for that. So yeah. And, and then the other one is like, you know, some people, 
and and you and I are both kind of fortunate in that we both have like you know good other jobs, and if you know someone for me if someone's like not a great kind of cultural fit for the business either, I am like you know some people like if, if you're hurting for revenue and you need that revenue to do something in life. Do whatever you can to keep people on, right? And get to the point where like you don't have to do that. You and I are both at the point where we don't have to do that to keep on people that are the wrong fit. Um, and so I just I disagree with them. If they're like, hey, I don't think this is the right fit for me, I'm like, cool. If I agree with them, right? And you know, that that is not the right fit. Like I, I don't try to like make it fit or something like that. I used to with the, you know, with Credo and like when I had to in the past. And now I'm just like, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's a great fit, right? Like you need more management, you have all these questions, everything's drama, like not a fit. Sorry. Like that's just not the business where I'm trying to build. So, um, I, I think we, we as entrepreneurs need to give ourselves that, um, permission. Yeah. And I would say in the, in the interest of transparency, I think this stems from the fact that you've been doing these, these demo calls and these sales calls. And we had a dedicated conversation around, like, I'm not, I just kind of, I'm trying to be as hands off as possible. Cause I have this nine to five day job where I work for somebody else. And so having a bunch of calls littered throughout my calendar between nine and five doesn't always work. So I was trying to do zip message, like asynchronous communication. And so I didn't have the right vetting up front. And I was kind of taking people for what they submitted in writing, or I was just letting them purchase directly and they would just check out. And then they had this onboarding process. It's like, here's your checklist, provide these things. And so part of that is the strategy that I chose to use for bringing somebody on board as a new client and not putting up the right uh, filters or stage gates or whatever to make sure that at each stage of the funnel, like they were increasingly qualified before I took their money, right? So that's that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I, I think in the early days of Castaway, I had a very clear idea of, who we would work best with. And that was typically established shows that don't necessarily need a direct ROI from the podcast. Like a lot of service businesses would be a good fit because they know the podcast passively will generate leads. Leads are high ticket and they'll recoup their Castaway investment, but they might not be able to draw a solid line between Castaway and that that outcome. Um, And then working on somebody's back catalog. What I didn't want to do is work in between the day that you record something and the day you need to publish something, I don't want to try to cram Castaway activities into those seven days because we just don't have a turnaround time for video editing that suits that kind of pressure and timeline. We are here to give your back catalog a second life. What I did not do is stick to that, right? That was my original vision as what a best fit one uh, client looked like. And I did kind of the thing where I was like, yeah, it'd be nice to have a bundled sale right now though. Or it'd be nice to have a recurring subscription and... I know that they're just getting off the ground, but you know they seem to have a lot of the pieces, maybe not everything, but they've got 70% of the pieces we need. So let's roll with it. So my accommodation of that or failure to stick to my guns and what I thought an ideal client profile was, is kind of coming back around to bite me. So if anybody else is experiencing that, like you're certainly not alone because I've been through this in several iterations and uh, I still waver from time to time because it is nice to, hey, I want to hire that video editor and it'd be great to get another 1500 bucks a month to cover some of that expense. And maybe it's a B minus client in terms of grading qualification. I'll go ahead and take those on and it might work for a month or two, but then on month three, month four, it starts to fall apart and you got to make adjustments. Yep. Yep. I think that's smart. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious about the, what you're saying there about the, um, the like self checkout thing. I wonder if there's like maybe a little bit more of like a filter that you could put in place to like, you know, further qualify them out, you know, Martel calls it a funnel filter where it's like, how quickly do you expect, you know, 
uh, content, how far out are you? Some sort of like question that lets you know if they're going to be a good fit or not, right? So not doing the like last minute, hey, I need this edited by 4 p.m. today and it's 3 p.m. Like, go away. But, you know, something like how far out are you recording podcast episodes, right? Like, you know, a couple days, couple weeks, right? Couple months, because then that tells you if, like, if they record it now and they're not publishing it till mid-July, you know you've got plenty of time, right? Like it gives your team the time to turn around all the assets, et cetera, and, and have them be ready to go. So, um, you know, you could you could do that. I was just looking at my analytics around like, like the self-serve thing. It's actually really interesting because I like, I did like roll out like a, just a link on the pricing page about like, or just sign up, right? Click here to, to, to get a subscription and sign up. And we've had like, I mean, you know, Google Analytics says we've had a 700% increase in page views from two to 16. So like not, you know, <laughs> nothing huge, but I also haven't had anyone buy it. But then I think about like Design Pickle that they went from like, you know, Russ selling everybody to then self-serve for a long time, but had big problems with churn. And now they're back to actually doing sales calls. But their pricing has also gone from like 280 some a month to like minimum 495 a month, I think. So they can actually like, so, you know, 5K for a year, so they can actually six k for a year, so they can actually afford to pay salespeople at that level, right? Versus at like two hundred seventy, two eighty a month, you really can't. It's like right on the bubble. So yeah, that's interesting that you've learned that same thing, and I'm kind of testing it out for my business as well. But it seems to be like for like higher ticket, you know, productized service, you kind of need to be priced high enough that you can also do sales. Yeah, and I, I think that I'm heading in that direction. One of the pieces I think I forgot to mention as an update this week is I'm working in the um, this piece of software called Service Provider Pro, spp.co. And it's kind of like an e-commerce solution specifically for service businesses and, and agencies that have... I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm looking at the back end there. And I think what where my gut is telling me to head is for add-on services, like the blog post that I kind of want to get out of that operation because there's just a lot of subjectivity around the quality of a blog post, right? You don't know my industry as well as I do. I'm like, well, yeah, but you also aren't publishing consistently, but that's neither here nor there. But like some of those add-on services, maybe they are self-serve, right? Because it's like, here's add-on another 250 bucks to get a blog article from this episode, right? So I don't necessarily need to qualify somebody for that, but for the higher ticket stuff, the subscription stuff, the comprehensive service packages, I do think I'm going to put um, either you know some kind of quiz-like functionality where it's like, hey, you have to answer the right way to these three questions before you can even see a checkout form, or set up sales calls or something like that. Because in my mind now, I'm like, would I? So the goal is to make six figures from Castaway in the first year. So do I want to have uh, 10 clients at $1,000 a month or four clients at $2,500 a month? You know, and so it's like, I think I'd rather have option B, where it's fewer clients, higher ticket, more hands on. And then to do that the right way, you need to qualify them at a higher level. And I think the only way to do that is to inject myself into that process um, versus self-serve. So so can I push back there or just like give a, a a twist? What if that's not an either or? Like, yeah, it's it's nice to say like, would I rather have this or this? But what if it was like $5,000 a month ones and then, you know, uh, two $2,500 a month ones, right? Because that gets you to the same like, you know, amount. Um, you know, as the example that you just gave, and then you can kind of do a, like a, you know, the, the thousand dollar a month or even like 500 a month, right? Like what could you deliver for that? That people would just check out and you can just deliver. Right. Um, and it, it just, the system just runs because you don't have to do sales calls for those probably. Uh, and you shouldn't, (laughs) 
honestly, is, is my take. Or at least like a one-off, like buy a one-off, like $500 something. And then, you know, and then you can focus your time on sales for the bigger ones, um, but you're still getting revenue in the door that you can deliver. I'm thinking about this because at Credo recently, you know, we were like fairly high ticket for our, our pipeline agency, 1700 to five grand a month. Then we have like a, like a down sell subscription and then like, you know, free like lead feed that you can pay per lead. But I recently started selling again, these what I call SEO opportunity analyses, where basically like you can pay us 500 bucks and I will go and I'm doing one a week. I'm actually scheduled out through the end of July right now. I launched it on Tuesday and within, I had eight books. So four grand in in the pocket within 36 hours of, uh, of relaunching it. And, you know, obviously still have to deliver it, but um, you know, and, and I, people ping me privately, like, dude, you should, you should like raise your rates. You need to like triple this. Or one someone was like, you need to 10 X it. Why not sell it for five grand? You're delivering that value. I'm like, cause I'd have to do sales. <laughs> you know, if I sell a five grand, like audit, like I know I'm gonna have to put at least like 10 hours into it. I'm selling it for 500 bucks. Like I'm putting two to three hours into it and they're getting something awesome. Like they're getting something that is super useful to them at that level. But like, I don't have to, you know, like five grand, I'm gonna have to send contracts and all that with this. They're just putting down a credit card and reserving their spot. So like, how could you do something? I'm thinking about that. I don't know what it is for Editor Ninja. I have no idea. I think it's our like single documents, honestly, which I can probably do a lot more work on on the conversion side. But for you, I would think about like, what is the, what's something you could do like for Castaway, you know, that's like lower ticket like that, that people could just buy. And then like the people that are really good fit off of that, right. And they're asking for more, then you can hop on a call, but they basically qualified themselves to be willing to pay because they've already paid you something without even needing to talk to someone and they got it back and they're asking for more, which means they're, they're happy with the work. Yeah. I'm thinking that might be, cause I think the real shakeout there will be something like, Hey, add on services or one-off sales is 20% of revenue. And then these tier one clients that are $2,500 a month, they're 40% of revenue, right? And then the difference is made up by these kind of mid-range clients that are not quite the comprehensive package, but they're somewhere in the middle. So I'm thinking that like, if I have this, if imagine if you have this like um, catalog service offerings where it's like, uh, what do you want to do with your podcast episode? Blog post, audiograms, transcript, editing, whatever, video clips, that kind of thing. Check all that apply. And each one, it's just like an e-commerce functionality, right? Like each one is like adding a pair of socks to your cart. So you add the blog post, that's 250. You also want a transcript, that's another 50 bucks or a dollar a minute or something like that. And so I think that that kind of self-service where it's like, I don't ever have to touch that. That notification gets funneled into Slack or into some kind of project management app. Somebody gets assigned to it and then they're off and running and they do their thing. They turn around, deliver it to the client like... I barely have to see that. It's really where it's like a higher touch and and you want to actually watch or listen back to the episode, identify the interesting clips. Like that's really where I want to get involved where it's this more thoughtful editorial kind of like polish being given to it versus just a straight repurposing where it's like, take this audio format and make it a blog post or take this audio format and make it three Twitter threads that recap the key points or something like that. So I think that will be self-serve. And I think that's kind of the... um What's uh, what's it called? The uh, that's like the tripwire almost. I think is what people call it. Where like you walk into this low ticket engagement, you have a good experience. You do that a couple more times. You get this brand affinity built up, and then you're like, hey, um, what happens if like I've been checking these three boxes for pretty much every episode I've been pushing out? It, can I just get on a subscription or like how do I automate this so I don't have to come back every week and check these three boxes and pay you five hundred bucks? Can I just pay you fifteen hundred dollars this month and you do all these things for me? You know, out of the gate, I'm thinking that might be it. It's like this. Um, intentional friction almost where it's like, yeah, I'm doing it and I'm having a good experience, but I'm just sick of like 
coming in here every week after I record, checking three boxes and paying you 500 bucks, can I just pay you 1500 once and then just send you my files? And and that's the thought anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's, and, and you can also see that like, you know, yeah, someone just does one and you've got some automated follow-ups and that sort of stuff, but like someone's come back, they've done two, three, four, reach out to them. Right. And get them, get them on an ongoing thing. Um, Cause then, you know, then they're, they're more committed and then you can upsell them from there and it's, it's yeah. better for everybody. So I like That's that. Probably approach. even something that with uh, SPP, since they hook into Zapier, like I could probably say something like when a customer lifetime value exceeds a certain dollar amount, then send me a notification and say, Hey, you know, whatever Acme corporation has spent more than $1,500 with you in the last three months why don't you reach out to them and try to upsell into something and then just have a tasteful conversation around that. So yeah, I like that. Um, it's kind of it's kind of that whole concept of like higher operation support so that you can get in there and build that, right? Because that all needs wired up and you need to create like those service offerings and hook that up to the website and that kind of thing. So exactly. Yeah, yeah you got to build those, got to build all the op- the backend stuff is the hard work. And these businesses, right? It looks like, oh, it's easy. You just sell the thing. But there's a ton of operations in these businesses, man. That's what people don't see. Yeah. Well, that's the the challenge of this. Like some days I wish I could just, I wish I would have figured some of this stuff out before I launch. Cause now you have to like, you have to build the ship while you're sailing it almost. And it's like, and it's like, I still have to serve clients today in this kind of like piping environment where I'm managing tasks and projects and all that kind of stuff. But I want to build this new thing. And so I have to kind of do both in parallel and uh, it's exponentially harder. So I know you can't have all the answers out of the gate, but I would say like, I don't know, a lot of people advocate for just starting with spreadsheets and stuff. And I'm not necessarily against that, but uh, but man, if you have a good sense of like what it's going to look like to run your service business from the back end, I would launch later to get that house in order because it's way harder to do, at least in my experience, to serve clients actively and try to build a better world for them to live in at the same time, right? Especially as a small company with just fractional support from contractors. I think it's a trade-off because I've done both and I've like in the past very much like built stuff first, mostly because like I'm a visual person and like I get my hands dirty and I kind of see what it's going to look like and feel like and all that. But there's also a risk there of overbuilding, building stuff nobody wants, et cetera. So, you know, I'm more of a like build and I'm more talking from like a marketing perspective um, and your feedback a couple of weeks ago about like kind of like editing just top navigation, that sort of stuff. I'm figuring out like kind of how I tie it all together. Cause it's not like, oh, you're just buying proofreading. You're just buying this. You're buying, like, this is included. <laughs> this is all within your subscription, right? Uh, these are just like the various things that we do. But I, th- I think just the one thing I would say there is, I think there is, there is a risk to building stuff, especially like getting software and or building out software or whatever before you really know what it is, which is why I like the spreadsheet approach at first. It does not scale, but you start to learn it and then you kind of build that individual thing. This is the approach I take up both of my companies is, okay, this is like, this is getting, you know, uh, we have whatever, 20 documents a week being submitted um, and, you know, this like assigning of and letting people prioritize things and all that, like that doesn't scale. So like we need to change the system. And so we're going to move to this other like type of type of setup, right? Like you're never going to get away from the having to, to, you know, keep on building and repairing the ship while you're, while you're sailing it. But yeah, it's just that I, I think there's a balance there of not overbuilding too early before you've proved it out and before you've seen what is taking you a lot of time, right? Like that's the stuff that I automate is stuff that's taking me a ton of time or hire for stuff that's taking me a ton of time. Right. Yeah, totally agree. Especially if you have to build something custom. Like it's one thing for me to be able to take spp.co and just just wire it up. Like that's that's one thing. But if I had to 
build some kind of like menu based like a la carte ordering system from scratch. I definitely wouldn't do that before I had the demand for it, right? And I want to have a great deal of confidence that somebody's actually going to use that before I invest that that time and money. Uh, cool, man. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll call it there. I know you are out next week. You're going to do some speaking and going to uh, kind of a conference or, or a retreat. So have a lot of fun there and learn a lot. I'm sure we'll get some of those insights downloaded to us when you get back for our next session. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be happy to share, man. And yeah, have fun, uh, have fun there with the kids and, you know, keep it on pushing into the summertime, man. It's a good, good time to kind of recharge a little bit. Right. So, uh, yeah, look forward yeah. to hearing how all that's going. Cool, man. All right. Show notes and everything we talked about today are available at workingsessions.fm. And you can also submit a question for a future episode. And we will, uh, as long as there's nothing distasteful in it, we will play it online and then we will uh, respond to you right there in the moment. So go ahead and drop one if you've got it. Yep. We'll give you a shout out and uh, we would appreciate your questions and feedback. Thanks everyone. Catch you next time. All right. See ya.